Bruce Springsteen was right when he said everybody's got a hungry heart. Today we live in a day of information overload. Daily crisis is the rule of the day. Media channels bombard us over and over again. Every day there's a new issue, a new catastrophe, a new problem with crime, economy, politics, a new murder, a new injustice, a new war. That is all we talk about and that is all we think about. But there is something that must rule the human heart and is no longer an option. There are innate cravings that must be answered or else they are perverted. Facts that when the hunger of the human heart is unfed by what is authentic, it will go for what is inauthentic. Meanwhile, religion has created that which we now see and reel from. The Lord our God refuses to trade incense for prayer, psychology for revelation, singing for worship, club memberships for real family, and rituals for true relationship. The way to get there will be through the on-ramp of authentic spiritual hunger. In this episode of Keep 100, we're continuing to chop it up on the subject of spiritual hunger and have an incredible interview as we spill the tea with special guest, Pastor Dustin Bates. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and a real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Keep It 100 with Sean and Krista Smith. Have you been waiting for me? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's what Kathy Coleman used to do back in the day, but she was super anointed to do it. I'm definitely not laughing at Kathy Coleman. She's one of my spiritual Oh, that's heroes. hilarious. No, that's like, she would laugh. Come on, that was hilarious. Come on, she was. That was great. Hey, we're so excited to be with you. Another episode of Keep It 100, and we're just expecting a great conversation because I already know what's ahead in this episode, and y'all get ready because it's so rich, and it has such depth in it. And we have a special guest that we're featuring, one of our favorite people. We'll get to him in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to talk about some cool things we've been a part of and what God's been doing in our ministry. And Sean and I, we just were about a week ago or so, we were at Northwest University in Kirkland, Washington, the Seattle area. And I tell you what, God moved really beautifully. We had a revival night. We did. It was with the students there at Northwest University. It's a Christian university. It was so awesome too, because the board members or board of directors who were also in the service. Power of God hit. Kids flooded the altars. There's prophetic words over students. There were healings. We even got a couple healings in that I think was pretty powerful. Yeah, we really did. Um, Sean had a word of knowledge for the for celiac disease. And we had two young women, and actually multiple people responded, but we got testimonies from two women that got totally and completely healed from celiac disease. And they went out, and this was great. They took selfies of them eating breadsticks in order to celebrate that they could eat breadsticks, which I love that. And we're just celebrating what God did. It was so, so beautiful. The word you brought to was so profound. It was oh, just embraced you. by the student body. And I just love the fact that those students, they are not only impacted by just an anointing because your word is anointed and your life is, but for them to see a powerful woman just bring the word of God. I just know that there's a generation of women that are being raised up and it's good for them to see it at that age so they can have something in the back of their mind that gives them permission to go for it. Hey, that is worth it because I want to break those lids and those stereotypes because God is using women in this hour. You know, next we went to New Jersey. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> we did the impact conference at a church there called Abundant Life. It was kind of a regional conference and man, different people came in. Uh, there were people and churches from Atlantic City. Some of you would probably know that city, although it was in Sea City, but it was mighty. Each of us had two sessions, but we just saw the power of God break out. In one of our sessions, we did not preach. We just flowed because the power of God just so took over the 
serve it. And so God really blessed us when we were walked in on Friday night. We just saw such a hungry, hungry group. And we were like, oh, we are absolutely with the right people. And I want to hear, and I'm sure the Keep It 100 tribe will want to hear some of the book updates because your latest book, Sing It Out in a Couple's World, we're starting to get feedback on that. Tell you what, it has been so humbling to start to begin to get testimonies because, you know, it takes a moment for someone to read a book and then get you to testimonies. And I'm just at that time where people are starting to reach out to me and email me and DM me and post on social media. So it's been really, really exciting. And I just want to share one of the testimonies because I just love this one. It's just like, oh, come on, Jesus. Like, this is exactly the intention that I had when I wrote the book. And someone, she actually did a whole post on her Instagram page. She said, this is by far one of my, one of the best books I've read this year by Mrs. Krista Smith. I've read and or listened to plenty. She's raw, authentic, and real. The book is relatable, understanding, and gives doctrine along the way with direction and encouragement. Mrs. Krista Smith is truly a champion for the singles who are believing in God for their mate and equips you with activation tools to grab a hold and apply to your life while you wait for the king or queen that God has tailor-made for you. Excellent read for this season of my life, and I recommend it to anyone who's in the season of waiting to get this book. It will set you free. And I was like, yes. I just felt like she captured everything that I had prayed and hoped for with this project. And what's so cool is just so many testimonies are coming in of people just feeling encouraged. And I think it's so timely that right before a holiday season, when a lot of times that's when a lot of singles get triggered is in the holidays. And so to have this tool and this resource, this book, to be able to really come from an empowered place during the holiday season, that's my hope. I think the timing was totally God. I think you make a great point. You know, on the holidays, uh, singleness, your relational status, those things are just heightened during this season. You know, I think in our world today, in our culture, we often hear, Krista, about physical health, relational health. Your book is addressing that. Mm-hmm. Mental health. But what gets overlooked is your spiritual health. And so nut- true. Nutritionists tell us that your appetite determines your diet, your diet determines your intake, and your intake determines your health. So when it really gets down to it, when you talk about spiritual health, it begins with your appetite. Thus, we're hitting this subject entitled, It's a Hunger Problem, Part too. But before you hear the rest of that, I want you to listen to the words of Smith Wigglesworth, the great healing revivalist. He says, quote, spiritual hunger is when nothing satisfies as much as being near to God. Worldliness is that which cools my affection towards God. And I love how he finishes this quote, Christy. He says, I'd rather have, a, rather have a man on my platform who is not spirit filled, but hungry than a person who is spirit filled and satisfied. Oh, that is such a mic drop. I mean, my goodness. You know, for those that haven't listened to part one, hey, we want to catch you up to speed and really define for you once again, what is spiritual hunger? And, you know, I'd say spiritual hunger has everything to do with an inner longing, an inner craving, and a deep thirsting for God and the things of God. It's that voracious appetite to experience or encounter the very presence of God. You know, it really describes one's thirst to know God personally. That's spiritual hunger. It's really, you know, the hunger manifests itself differently. So of course, for each and every one of us, it can be that life channeling, sustaining nudge that keeps us tuned in and even turned toward God. I believe what you just said is the reason why spiritual hunger is such a crucial topic and why it's so warred over. You know, we have a problem. I believe it's at the core of this thing of the discipline of spiritual hunger. And the problem we have today in Christian circles is we're not only saved by grace, but we're paralyzed by it. Let me explain. We tell people all the time, and it's true, you can do nothing to add to your salvation 
salvation. But then we also tell people, but you must work out your salvation with fear and trembling, of course, quoting Philippians 2.12. So that's kind of confusing. You can do nothing to add to your salvation, but you must work out your salvation. And I hope you could see within them this union of kind of a passivity and activity. But here's what it boils down to, and let's simplify it. The old man will not be put off and the new man put on unless you do something. And indeed, unless you do the right thing. You know, I love that. And that's such a great, I feel like, intro for what we're talking about today. Thomas Watson, a radical Puritan, asked the question, how can we stimulate a spiritual appetite? Which I love that question. And that's the question I think a lot of people are asking today. And the fact he was a radical Puritan is awesome. You know, then he says, think about what makes you eager to eat a meal. And he answered in two ways. And you and I talked about this. We just thought this was so interesting. His first answer was exercise, which of course that's obvious. But his second answer caught you and I by surprise. And his second answer is sauce. And you know, Watson is so right. It's what makes the food more appealing, more attractive, even tastes better. It's the sauce. It's that sweet baby Ray barbecue sauce, the tapatio hot sauce, the Chick-fil-A, which is my personal favorite. Sauce is the boss. So if we break it down, when we're talking about spiritual hunger, we're, we're paralleling it to our natural hunger. What makes something more appealing? What makes it have better flavor? What makes it have a better taste? What makes you want to eat more of it? It's all about the sauce. The sweet sauce of our blessings, the sharp sauce of our troubles, the hot sauce of our persecutions, all of the things that happen in our life, the sauces of life, they really pull us into a desire for God that releases heaven's fullness to overflow in our life, which ultimately produces spiritual hunger. Now, as we're on the topic of spiritual hunger, we're going to dive into a powerful conversation with my husband, the amazing Reb Sean Smith, and Pastor Dustin Bates out of Allen, Texas. He's just such a powerful and I'm excited for the depth of this conversation because get ready, friends. We're talking about spiritual hunger. Hey, Keeping 100 Tribe, you guys are in for a great treat. I've known this precious brother for literally at this point, I think it's pushing 25 years. He is a mighty man of God. Uh, he pastors a happening, I mean, as happening as happening gets church in the Dallas area, Church 1132. This is my great friend, Dustin Bates. Dustin, what's going on, man? What's going on, Sean? Thanks for having me on. Bro. I, I'm serious. I can remember coming to your dad's church. I had just started in, in an itinerant capacity and your dad had heard about me from some mutual friends and he had me. And truly, those times were so special. Number one, because of what God was doing there at your church in the house and that I just saw as a family, man, you guys went after God as a family, man. A mom and dad, five, five kids total, right? Yep, yep. Going after God. Hey man, tell us a little bit, you know, just about your, one of the things we're all into is we're all into the MCU or stories and stuff. So growing up in a PK, uh, and obviously we're talking about this thing of spiritual hunger. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about in terms of your journey and and how spiritual hunger intersect your life. Yeah, Sean, I mean, there's so many things I could say just in regards to the journey. And just, I think everybody has this, but just key pivotal moments where God just opens your eyes maybe to another dimension or to another level. And I think growing up, I'm so blessed to have a mom and dad that ran after the Lord and created environments uh, where it was normal for us to pursue the Lord, for me to be in the presence of God. But but I think when, think when I was 16, 
I had an encounter with God. The easiest way to say it is it went from my, my family's faith to my faith. It's, I don't think that was the moment I got saved. I don't think, but something shifted in me as a teenager where I just was awakened to, this is not dad's faith. This is my, I really, I really want it. And uh, so I, I grew up in that environment, which, which is amazing and grew up in a ministry home. My dad's the pastor and uh, my mom and dad, incredible. You know, you, like you mentioned, you'd come in and speak and at, uh, at the church and uh, so many different memories like that, that were just marking moments um, that I think just created an appetite um, that now, you know, over 20 years later, I'm still living in the after effects of some of those encounters that really calibrated me to run after the Lord and to lean into his presence. So I, I grew up, I did an internship right out of high school in our, at our church there that my dad was pastor in Washington state. And I actually came and saw you in California for a couple months, uh, right in some of those pivotal years, saw you minister and prophesy. And, and I remember, this is pretty cool. I remember watching you at a meeting and it was really, it was just eye-opening to me because sometimes I could think of the prophetic as maybe weird. And you were, it was so effortless the way you communicated the gospel, the way you communicated hearing from God. And it really put a desire in my heart, not just to do something great for the kingdom of God, but I really wanted to hear his voice and enter that conversation. So I think I could go through probably a hundred different instances that were just sneak peeks into a deeper level of relationship with the Lord that cultivated this spiritual desire and tenacity and urgency and hunger to experience more of the Lord. So I, I did the did the internship, came on staff there with my dad. And a couple years later, we took over the youth ministry. And then a couple years after that, we moved to Texas where we are now. Um, I never thought we'd end up in, in Texas. Um, I didn't know there was normal people in Texas. So <laughs> moving from the Northwest, but we saw a move of God in our youth ministry. And so I went from 15 students to over 500 and three and a half years of radical on fire students. Looking back now, sometimes you don't know you're in a move of God when you're in it. And looking back, I'm like, I'm just amazed at the goodness of God and how he moved. And then we took the church shortly after that, our pastor gave us the, the church. And uh, now we've been lead pastoring for seven years and just honestly, just amazed at God's goodness and, and really believe the, the tenacity that I had when I was a 16 year old. I really believe it's from the Lord because it's the same tenacity I have now in that curiosity that there, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to God. There's got to be more to who he is. It, it fuels the hunger knowing that I haven't, I haven't tasted all there is to taste, that there's more out there. So it's kind of been this perpetual just experience to experience moment to moment that has grown into this spiritual hunger engine of wanting to do everything I can and be everything I can in the kingdom of God. Man, I'm telling you what, you have me so buzzing right now, Dustin. And I'm reminded of that scripture that says to a satisfied soul, they loathe the honeycomb, but to yeah. a hungry soul, even a bitter thing is sweet. One of the translations says that. And Come you know, on. you see in this generation that there's so many people that their appetites have been so warped and, and they've gotten twisted. And for you to grow up, man, in a PK's home, because some people that looks like the recipe where you would have kind of a self-satisfaction, kind of a, you know, laid yeah. back kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think of a couple of things. I, I think one of the greatest indicators of anyone's trajectory in their walk with God is their spiritual hunger. You know, mm. like you get, I get often people say, hey man, would you mentor me? Would you mentor me? And our, our time is limited. I'd, I'd love to be able to mentor everyone. But one of the things I look for is I look for the hungry. Like you could be mm. making mistakes. You you may not have you know, the outward path 
package. But I have seen over my years in ministry, you give me someone who is hungry. Yes, And sir. I'm telling you what, you're going to have a world changer. And I saw that in you. What were some of the challenges for you, Dustin, you know, growing up in a PK's home and being around, a, if you will, a bit of the underbelly of just politics in church, stuff in church, people. And you guys' church was exceptional. So I'm not trying yeah. to give the implication your dad and mom's church were really exceptional. But you know what I'm talking about, just stuff yeah, in general. Absolutely. How did you navigate that and maintain, not just maintain, that's not accurate of you. You grew in spiritual hunger. Man, unpack yeah. that for us for a moment. Yeah. I, you know, when you're in the, when you grow up in a PK's home, you see, if you're going to a nice restaurant, you know, you, you're in the kitchen. The dining experience is amazing, but the kitchen is crazy. And the kitchen was crazy at times growing up. I remember as a 12 year old, I was probably 11 or 12 years old and there had been some kind of some drama in the church, which I think probably anybody listening has probably experienced some sort of drama in some way in, in church ministry. And I remember some people had really hurt my dad and just emotionally just really said some things that were wrong, kind of came against him in some ways. And as a young kid, it I heard it and it was, I was filled with, with anger. I mean, just so angry that they could do that. I knew my dad's heart. I knew what a good man he was. And uh, it, it just so frustrated me. And I remember it clearly. I, mean, I could go through the entire you know conversation. I just vividly remember it. But I, I, I now looking back, hindsight's 2020, right? That I'm now looking back, I saw even at a young age, God was using some of the things that were happening in our life to train me and for what he had for me to do, do in the future. And so seeing some of that, I also was modeled in my dad a forgiving, grace-filled, no religion, no legalism. It's sad to say it this way. My dad's just a real Christian. You know, he's just, right. he's just a real Christian. He loves people. He loves Jesus. And so seeing that Absolutely. modeled and a, him and my mom allowing me to be on my own journey and at my own pace, those two things combined, I think really set it up for me to really find the Lord for myself and also to know how to handle opposition, how to handle drama, how to handle being offended, how to handle uh, when people betray you. I, I think I just, I didn't know it. I, I saw it modeled. And so much of what we do and what we learn is what we see. And it's it's a totally another topic, but it's what we need back in the church again is we, we need father. We need mothers and fathers that, that model spiritual hunger, that model integrity, re, real Christians that we can, that this next generation will model what they've seen, not what's taught, not what we talk about in these podcasts, but what they see in us. And so I think my dad just helped so much give me an environment to grow and uh, and learn how to overcome some of those those challenges. That is so profound. And you're a stud now. You're a stud in high school. If I remember correctly, you you and your brother, you guys are playing football, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> man, you guys are standing out. Like when you were around that, how did you maintain your spiritual hunger, walk that out? Here you are radical for God. You were young. You're stud. Yeah. You're just hitting it on the football field. How did you walk out that radical? Because that, that might be in my retrospect, I've, I've told my son and daughter this, that my, my regret is that I didn't come to know the Lord as a teenager. I, I came to the Lord, mm. came to know the Lord in college. And I was all out from the from day one, all out for God. Yeah. But that's a whole different thing. When you got to walk it out in those, you're still forming your identity. You're still right. trying to get, you know, uh, your, your brand, as they like to say today, you know, true to brand, you know, and yeah. obviously the brand for us is Holy Ghost brand. Uh, how were you able to maintain your spiritual hunger when you were around totally, completely contrasting appetites, you know, yep. in those high school years. Yeah, I think, you know, God uses God uses the deficiencies in our life, I think sometimes to teach us that there's a place of sufficiency that's in him. And although I was always competitive, I had a drive, I had an engine that, that was going, I felt physically, 
I was short and I was I was small. I was I was undersized. So some of the positions I was playing, some of the the teams I was on, I, I was undersized. So God takes a physical limitation uh, that made me feel less than, and and so I felt like I had a chip on my shoulder, right? That I had to overcompensate and achieve. But God took that drive, and and I learned a concept that you can either take what's given to you in life, you just take what's given to you, or you can take what's available. And the two are very they're very different. Most of our world just receives what's been handed to them. And they say, this is life. This is the hand I've been dealt. This is what I have to deal with. But in in God, you can take what's been given to you, which is one thing, or you can take what's available, which is entirely different. The woman with the issue of blood, she, she, she could take what's been given to her, how to survive an illness and a disease. But she said, I'm going to go after what's available. So she makes her way through the crowd. Most people would have learned how to accommodate themselves in their suffering, but she had the faith to believe that maybe there could be an end to my suffering. So some of the physical limitations and what I felt were insufficiencies fueled a growth or a chip on my shoulder to say, okay, no, I'm not going to take what's been handed to me. There's more to God. There, there's more to the spiritual journey than just making it by. There's more to life. And so I became an achiever, not because I was great, but because I had some glaring weakness. And I really took literally that in our weakness, he is made strong. And, and it's addicting when you realize I don't have to be it. I don't have to be great. I don't have to be perfect. In my weakness, that's actually where he shines. And so I just, that that concept was just just ironed into my the fabric of my life of, I'm not going to just take what's been given to me. I'm going to go after everything that's available. Man, I'm telling you what, my goodness. I know <laughs> Keep It 100 Tribe, you guys are, man, gleaning. This, this stuff is profound, man. What are specifically some things that you did or you would recommend to someone to foment fuel spiritual hunger because yeah. I, I think what is it DL Moody says the tendency of all vessels is to leak you know so you obviously you want to continue to be filled but we know there's a connection between blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness they shall be filled so it goes back to your hunger your level of being filled is the level yep. of hunger you present to God so what do you do or what would you recommend people do to fuel their spiritual hunger yeah there's two there's two stories that come to mind that have really marked my life in, in the scriptures and one is when the prophet uh, Elijah is dealing with the widow right she had just lost her husband and uh, she said her and her sons, they're in debt. And, and this is what the, the prophet says, go and get as many jars as you can. And uh, she goes and gets the jars, right? Fills the house with them. He, tell, he actually says, it's in the scripture. She, he says, and don't just get a few. So he's telling her like, go get a lot of jars. And uh, all she had was a little jar of oil. The, she began to pour the oil. And this is the, the crazy concept is as long as there was capacity, there was also commodity. That the lack was not in the commodity. The lack was only in the capacity. So if she, if she would have created more jars, if she would have brought more jars, God would have released more oil. So what she received was only in proportion to what she had gathered with faith. So oh there was enough oil for the entire city, but she settled with enough oil for her house. And I think this would be true of the believers. Sometimes in our spiritual hunger, we go after enough God to get us through the day, but we don't understand that if we would create more space, then God would continue. The cap is on us, not on him. People say, well, I don't know if God's got a strong calling on my life or not. God's calling is in direct proportion to someone's availability. If if they Facts. can create space. So, so this is what I found is I have to create rhythms in my life that continually empty me out. If I'm full of the world, I can't be full of the Lord. So I have to empty myself of the, of the world. I have to create space. I have to create empty mm -hmm. places for God then to begin to come and to fill. So I just, I started doing this and, and I, I, um, I, 
you were one of my role models in uh, in physical fitness and diet and all that. Here's the thing: is I'm not I'm not real disciplined. People say, "Man, you have crazy discipline." I don't have really good discipline. I have really good rhythms, and the rhythms protect me from myself. So if if I got junk food in my house, I'm gonna eat it. That's just I like junk food. If it's in my house, I'm gonna eat it. And so I have a rhythm that just says, I'm not gonna have junk food in my house. If I don't have junk food, I won't have temptation. Same thing is as I'm seeking the Lord daily. I'm, I make it into my rhythm. I set a calendar reminder. I have a meeting time with God where I empty myself because otherwise I'll just settle for survival Christianity, which is filling up enough for the day, but not realizing that God's trying to do more than just my day. He's He's trying to work through me into maybe maybe the city, maybe the nation. The second scripture is Moses, and it says that he went up to the mountain. It's in the book of Exodus. He goes up on the mountain. He went up to the mountain. And God came down. So Moses had a meeting place. So Moses would receive a word from God on the mountain, and then he would go down to the valley and release the word. And the Lord showed me this about my own spiritual hunger. If I would be faithful to go up, he would be faithful to go down. Now, this is the propensity or the temptation for many believers is, I just want to stay there. But what God gave Moses never was, was designed to stay on the mountain. God always dressed him on the mountain or gave him the word on the mountain to take back to the valley. So I see my daily time with God as my mountain time. I'm going to get, it, it's it's like a spiritual wardrobe. I'm like, God's going to dress me for the day on the mountain, but I don't stay in the closet. I don't stay in the bedroom. I got to go out to the world. And so so this is, these are some of the rhythms that I've established in my life is that consistently meeting with him. So I have to empty myself because the commodity is flowing and I have to, cl- I got to commit to climb every day. I'm going to climb higher. I'm going to get with Jesus. If I go up, he's faithful to come down. Man. Oh my God. Bro, you're dropping <laughs> nuggets, Dustin. <laughs> hey man. Oh, I, I just almost want to keep kicking in on that, but I got this other question I think is important. Yeah. You know, this emerging generation, man. And you know, I, I was just talking to a good friend of mine, Rick Pino. And we, we had held up like the cell phone and we go, man, this generation, this is their world. That little smartphone that you hold in your hand and just it all the, the digital connectedness, the pulls, you know, you came up in a, in a different generation. I came up with a different generation. You know, it's like, and, and yeah. be honest, even if there was cell phones, I probably wouldn't have had it. We was that broke. All right. But <laughs> what do you think are the pulls, the arch nemesis of the emerging generation to stay? Because one thing I noticed about spiritual hunger, it's it's kind of a, a symbiotic relationship. You know, it's that old picture of a hand drawing a hand, drawing a hand. It's like, yep. it's, uh, it's like you have to stay focused to have spiritual hunger. But if, when it really comes down to it, it's your spiritual hunger that brings that focus. You know, if you're starving, mm. it's amazing how focused you'll get on getting food. Right. It could be late night. I've been places where everything's closed. We are on a hunt. We're going to find <laughs> someplace open to get us food. And the Bible's clear that a workman's appetite works for a man. His hunger urges him on. And I, I learned early on, hunger is the key. You know, you think of John G. Lake, he wrote this book about uh, spiritual hunger and the God men. And he, in that, referred to just the power of hunger. And obviously you saw his great healing revival, Pacific Northwest. And there were mm-hmm. so many others, Evan Roberts, really all the revivalists. And it's funny, most of these guys and gals, they tapped into this in their youth amongst their generation. Every generation, yeah. hell hell belches out a yoke, but God has an anointing for mm. every yoke. When I talk about this symbiotic relationship, there's a symbiotic relationship on account of the anointing, the yoke is destroyed. So whenever the enemy emerges a yoke in a generation, there's an anointing. Mm. What is that yoke that you see in this generation? What is it that the enemy's using to distract, to pull uh, believers or emerging generation, Gen Z, millennials, away from focus and spiritual hunger for God that you yeah. see? It's such, that's a good question, Sean. And, and there is such a battle for the next generation. I honestly, and this is what I've been praying into right now, I think the battle will be won by the bold. And, and right
right now, social media is not bad. It's an it's a amplifier, right? It amplifies or it's a microphone. It amplifies the message of an individual. So this is we're not facing anything new. It's the access and the amplification is easier than before. But the battle will be won by the bold. What TikTok has done is it's given a platform to the bold. And the loudest voices are the ones that are shaping Gen Z. And so now you have 14-year-olds on TikTok that are saying that the Bible is not the inspired word of God, or this is not in the Bible, or that's not in the Bible, or this is how you can live your life. And because they're bold, and because they're amplified, we have a generation that's just just following them. And it's true of culture. Culture has always followed leaders, whether good or bad. Leadership, God's raised up deliverers in the past. There's been people that have been anti or against moves of God, and and people follow people. And right now, we're probably the greatest amplified generation that has ever been where anyone can have a voice. So the battle will be won by the bold. And what we've done in our love is we've tried to just be accepting of others, but it's actually not love. Real love tells the truth. Real love speaks the truth and you can feel it. The truth can hurt you, but you can feel when it's from love and you can feel when it's from an agenda. And I think maybe a caution to the body of Christ is that oftentimes our our truth telling really is not bathed in love and it's agenda driven or it's idea driven or, uh, and, and then here's this younger generation that's getting on TikTok that are just hungry for the supernatural. They're hungry for answers and they just throw these things out and they have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of young people following them. And I believe this is God's raising up modern day presence carriers, teenagers that are carrying the power of God and, and have this anointing to be bold. And I believe this, the battle will be won by the bold. And there is a boldness that God's releasing in the next generation. I believe we're going to see them start arising. Maybe there's some even listening to, to, to this podcast that, that feel that thing stirring in them, that God's calling them to be a voice, a voice of one calling out in our generation, prepare the way of the Lord. I I believe it's coming. I believe they're already on the earth, but there is this battle for the voice and the mind of our generation in the most amplified generation that we've ever seen. Man, that is so on point. I mean, I'm seeing the exact same thing you're saying. And I think it's always been the case is that passion sells. When you're passionate Mm. about something, I just think of like early on, and and this is not to say that that these different musical genres are not popular now, but it was like the passion came out like when I was a kid, probably in in kind of the rock sound, there was such a passion there. Right. And it kind of went screamo or whatever. And now, you know, you see it in the hip hop. There's such a passion, although it's probably the same no matter what genre of music. You know, right. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe country may not have as much passion. <laughs> I don't know. But the, the reason why they're being heard is that they're expressing a conviction, albeit a wrongful conviction, but that passion. And I think passion obviously comes out of you have to believe in something, but I also feel like there's a connection between that again and spiritual hunger. Like the opposite of spiritual hunger to me is self-satisfaction, passivity, apathy, complacency, over-familiarity, which I think is one of the things that really, uh, and we've seen this over the years, that will make a a revival, a religious fossil like in, in months is if we lose that. I mean, familiarity, Jesus left his own hometown and I'm I'm thinking, hey, he came. The Bible said he could do no mighty work. Implication is he came to do a mighty work. Like right. Nazareth, y'all could have been on the map for a mighty mm. move of God, but the people down the road in Gennesaret, it says they recognize him, they ran, and I just use the R word, rouse. They gathered people together. And in that hunger, it says as many as touched them were healed. So it's like mm. Nazareth, if they were on social media, would have seen that could have happened here had we moved right. out of familiarity into this place of being spiritual 
spiritually famished. And I think God has given America another shot. I think we've seen third world nations. They've come with that hunger. I mean, I've been overseas. You've been overseas, man. We've Mm -hmm. seen that uh, Africa and South America in in particular, that they're they're in this revival because there's such a hunger. Even the underground church of China, I've been to China, man, I'm telling you what, there's hunger there. And now Mm -hmm. I'm hearing reports out of the Middle East. I've been there, but I've not been to a lot of the churches that just kind of did an Israel thing. But I feel like our challenge is, is although we're first world in economy, it's like we need to get third world in our desperation and our Mm -hmm. hunger for God. Because when we reach that level of intensity, I believe that there comes a point where hunger will not be denied and they'll reach a tipping point Mm -hmm. because God has revival. And yet, like you said, I love that he's marked a generation uh, for this this ability to carry a new flame, but we've got to have hunger. Man, any any thoughts, final thoughts or anything that you would say, maybe even some advice you would give to someone or just something that you want to speak to that. Dustin, you go ahead, bro. Yeah. Hunger's always tied to desperation. Desperation's always tied to hunger. And you see it. I was was thinking as you were talking, I was thinking about blind Bartimaeus. He's on the side of the road, right? He calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And and we always think it's like the heathens and the pagans that told him to shut up, but it wasn't. It was the religious leaders. It was the Pharisees. It was these people that would have been respected. It would be maybe like us in in the church, believers, and are telling him to be quiet. And it says, and he shouted all the louder. And what is that? That's desperation. That's hunger that says, it doesn't matter if I fit in. It doesn't matter if they approve or they if they don't. I, I have to have Jesus. And, and, and until we get to that point where we're able or we're willing to be hungry enough to not care about the crowd or not care about the people around us that are trying to tell us to be quiet. And I think for uh, collectively, I think we have a problem in the church of being too obedient in that the, the moment someone has said, hey, shut up, don't say it anymore. We have sat down and we've behaved ourselves. And I'm just wondering if there's not a holy disruption that's just being stirred in the body of Christ. I don't want to use the word rebellion, but a holy rebellion against against passivity and against complacency. That there's awakening, a cry that's saying, Jesus, son of David, have, have mercy on us. And, and I really believe this is what we're maybe missing at times is, is the desperation. Well, you know, we don't need to be desperate or we don't need to be desperate more. God's given us. And, and I, I think that we've got to get back to desperation and, uh, and, and really maybe turn a deaf ear to the ones that are saying, be quiet and really ramp up the cry of our own hearts to God saying, we need, we need you. We can't look to a man. We can't look to a political system. We can't look to a political figure. We can't look to a figurehead, a pastor or a platform. We've got to really get back to old fashioned, old school desperation that says, Jesus, we need you. We need revival. We need a move of your spirit. I don't need to wait till the next election for God to touch our country. I need God to touch our country right now. Last time I checked, when God decided to turn a murderer named Saul into a writer of two thirds of the New Testament, he just had an encounter with him on the road to Damascus. Saul became Paul in a moment. That's the God we serve. And I think this goes back to the passivity part is, well, Saul must just be a murderer. No, he didn't have to stay a murderer. When the people of God get desperate, murderers turn into writers of this New Testament story. Murderers become warriors. Murderers become preachers. And I think we have lost the holy curiosity and desperation of what God could do if we just took the cap off and said, Lord, we're coming after you with everything that we are. Ramping up spiritual hunger. I'm going to meet with you whether I feel it or not. I'm going to meet with you whether I I sense you're answering or not. I'm going to meet. I have given up every other option and I'm just 
saying, Jesus, it's you. It's you, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Man, and man, I, oh my gosh. I'm, I'm, I'm getting wrecked. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm just getting wrecked. Man. Hey, Dustin, I, obviously I'm, I'm what you conclude by giving us just some of the things you're doing, some ways we can get in contact with you. Your church has grown to thousands, multiple campuses. You're opening up a dream center. You got a dream center pastor. And I've always said that if you're hungry, you think if you're hungry, you have a, a eating utensil. Like hungry, you, you come and you bring your spoon. Amen. But I'm thinking if you're seriously hungry, you're not bringing a spoon, you're bringing a shovel. So come it's on. like, I'm not just trying to eat. I'm trying to dig wells that there mm. could be spiritual hydration and we could plant a harvest for another generation. So tell us anything that you're doing now, a way to come in contact with you or anything you want to share by way of what you guys are seeing there at Church 1132. Yeah, on social platforms, um, just at Dustin Bates. Would love to connect that way. But we're on a, a journey as a church that we just don't want normal. We don't want average. Uh, we're not going to settle for anything less than transformation. And so we are in some of the most affluent areas in, in North Dallas, but we're also in some of the poorest. And that's probably the biggest project that I'm passionate about right now is dreams, our Dream Center Dallas. And uh, you can find it at dreamcenterdallas.com. It's incredible what God's doing there. We're really transforming a community. We have teams coming in from all over the nation that are serving with us. If you're a church, you're a pastor, you got a missions team you want to send. Uh, we got teams already booked up for next year coming in, serving dreamcenterdallas.com. I also, at the uh, beginning of 2022, just launching my podcast, uh, which is it's just called Win Every Time. And I'm talking about how to take some of the greatest losses of life and still win in them. And I'm um, just talking about key leadership concepts and principles. I've, I, I learned early on that it's not about uh, the hand you've been dealt, it's how you play the hand. So I can fold because I think I have a bad hand or I can really use supernatural strategy in how to turn what looks to be a loss into a win. And so I'm, I'm launching that uh, beginning of 2022 and our church is Church 1132. You can look, check it out, YouTube, all the, all the stuff on the messages and honored to just be a part of this, Sean. We love you and Krista and we're forever inspired and motivated by what you guys are doing. You keep you keep me pursuing the Lord by just watching what you guys are doing. We're so stirred up. We love you. We're behind you. And uh, I was pumped to get a couple minutes with you. Oh man, I can't even tell you, bro. This thing is just, this is gold right here. And just to hear your heart, the passion, it's no surprise to me, both when I saw you as a teenager, now as a father yourself, it's no surprise that you guys are experiencing the, I, I believe, an absolute visitation of God. I believe before this thing is over, uh, history books will write what is taking place underneath you guys' leadership. Man, I so appreciate you, Dustin. Give our love to Jamie. You are the man, bro. Sure love you, bro. I will. Thank you. Love you. Oh my gosh. I love Dustin. I love what he brings. I love his heart. I love how authentic he is for Jesus. Oh man, Dustin and his wife are pastoring such an amazing work. Just the principles and the truths he shared were just, they're life so transforming. Good. Well, as always, Keep It 100 Tribe, we have the Keep It 100 Takeaways. In this episode, we're talking about five ways to heighten your spiritual hunger. And the first one is you must receive hunger as a gift. You can't make yourself spiritually hungry. In other words, hunger for God is not something you can conjure up. It's a gift that you receive from God. So for all intents and purposes, spiritual hunger is a grace. So you don't conjure up a grace. You position yourself to receive a grace. Mm, that's good. A lot of Christianity, people are trying to coerce themselves into being hungry for God, thinking I got to have more faith, got to be more hungry. But I believe the Bible addresses it in Galatians 2.20. It says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. So when we grasp that Jesus is alive inside of us and that we're no longer alive in our old ways, then we can understand that all of our ability to live the Christian life comes from Jesus, comes through Holy Spirit. And our ability to love God comes from him. Our hunger for God is because of Jesus's passion for 
of the Father and the Holy Spirit, and He lives inside of us. You know, the second way to heighten your spiritual hunger is let encounters fuel your hunger. Let encounters fuel your hunger. You know, encounters with God are where theology becomes our reality. It's when we encounter God and we meet the person of God. You and I get experienced Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father's love, and that brings such a fullness to our faith. But we have to understand not all encounters we have with God will be this dramatic lightning bolt moment, but every encounter is still really important and it's what had draws us for more of him. It's what produces within us a hunger for more of Jesus. And as I long to know his heart and hear what he has to say, I understand that the more encounters I have, the more longing and the more pursuing I'm going to do because it's truly what awakens my hunger for Jesus. You know, I love Thomas. Thomas is one of the disciples and Thomas told the other disciples that he wouldn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. And this is a quote from John 20 and verse 25. Unless I see the nail marks in Jesus's hand and put my fingers where the nails were put and my hand in his side, he's basically saying, I'm not going to believe it. But Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. John 20, 29. Thomas gets a bad rap because he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. But I want to back it up and actually paint an accurate light. And I want us to understand the power of what Thomas was saying. Yes, he wanted to see Jesus, but he was basically saying, I'm not just going to believe because everyone's told me about it. I need to have an encounter myself. I need to know this is for real. I'm going to give my life for the cause. And he proved, yes, that was true. This is the man who ended up being a martyr in India years later. Thomas was this radical disciple for Jesus, but it came from an encounter. As soon as he touched the marks in Jesus's body, he saw Jesus with his own eyes. That's what made him go, I'm all in. And sometimes we have to understand, yes, there is just faith in believing and hearing, and that's beautiful, it's powerful, it's biblical, and it's right. But there's also equally power in someone seeing God, encountering God for themselves. What a gift you and I have to be able to encounter God because it's encounter that's such a beautiful part of our journey. And it's truly what develops a continuing hunger for God. I love that you placed Thomas in a good light. Everybody cast shade on Thomas, but I love that you let us know that guy ended a martyr and it was because of his encounter. Number three, the third way to heighten your spiritual hunger is to not be satisfied with where you are, what you have, what you have achieved. And I believe one of the things that we have to do is you need to expose yourself to those who have ran hard after God, those who have been greatly used of God. Read those biographies. Listen to those messages. Listen to the testimonies. Read those books. You know, Revelations is a a verse that I think particularly those in the prophetic circles have become more familiar with. It says in Revelations 19.10 that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. But actually the word prophecy, one of its shades of meaning means to do it again. When we read the stories of those who are hungry for God, it will cause it to be done again in us. In other words, it will increase our hunger for him as it was in them. Some people may be comfortable in their bondage, in their lack, in mediocrity, but comfortable does not equal growth. In order to grow, you have to be made uncomfortable. And Proverbs 27, 7, which I quoted in my interview with Dustin, says a satisfied soul loathes a honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, even a bitter thing is sweet. So you don't want to be satisfied because you'll end up hitting a honeycomb. And obviously the land of milk and honey represents revival, represents fullness. That if you start getting finicky and you're, you, you begin to all of a sudden take for granted the things that God has given you. Remember, appetite is influenced by association. And so I want to associate with the hungry so it will build hunger in me. The fourth way to heighten your spiritual hunger is really represented by David in Psalms. And I love this because David is really known for someone in his highs and his lows. He just worshiped God. We see this in 1 Samuel 30 in the story of Ziglag when he comes back and he's lost everything. His men had turned on him. He's been fired by the 
Philistines, you know, his children have been kidnapped. His wife's have been kidnapped. His town's been burned down. I mean, it's a bad, bad day, but you see him, uh, strengthen himself in the Lord. He calls for the ephod. He calls for the strengthening of the Lord. He begins to worship and then things begin to turn. But David in his times of trouble, worship God. You also see in first Chronicles 17, 16 and 20, David in the favor of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, the breakthrough of the Lord, living in the promises of God. He's worshiping God in the blessings. What is it? It shows us, it shows us that no matter what in the blessings or in the trouble, we have a posture of God saying, no matter what comes my way, Lord, I just worship you, Jesus. You're all, you're all that I need because truly at the end of the day, it's when Jesus satisfies in the good, the bad, the in-between, the liminal space. I want you to know that's the place where spiritual hunger puts you smack dab in the center of this journey that no matter where you find yourself, you know that if God's with you, you're going to be just fine. The journey of hungering after God is really maintained by our intentional and consistent heart response to him. And that is to say, we have to cultivate our own spirituality based on the principles and the commands of scripture, which I just shared with you, rather than some watered down, diluted version of the New Testament Christianity, which is so per- pervasive all over the church in the West. And see that that response that I was just talking about, that all in, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it, it looks like to those around you, I'm all in for you, Jesus. I truly believe the disciples, the disciples that follow Jesus truly live the lifestyle that you and I are called to live. The last and final way to heighten your spiritual hunger is avoid hunger suppressing fillers. Ooh. Now, I know in the natural, a lot of people take appetite suppressants when they're trying to lose weight. You do not want to take appetite suppressants when it comes to your spiritual hunger. You and I were all made with an inbuilt desire for God. We Facts. were made to be hungry for God. But if we all snack and fill up in areas and that satisfy for a short amount of time, that hunger for God will dull. And these quote unquote fillers, they're going to look different for different people. Mine might look different than yours. And so fillers are numbing habits for others. Uh, perhaps maybe it's that better salary, biggest success, more possessions or greater status, or even within, you know, Christian circles. It is uh, for some people, it's that Netflix binge. It's that thing that you put before, you know, you connecting with God. And for some people, it's just being busy. You're allowing the busyness to become your idol in your life, your addiction in your life. It's not necessarily a bad belief system, but it's, it's, it's dysfunctional behaviors that dull your hunger because you're so tired. You're so worn out. You're so exhausted. You don't even have any energy to connect with God. But see, we have to figure out if something in your life is a filler, you have to ask yourself, what does it motivate? What's the motivation that comes from that lifestyle? What's the motivation that comes from that behavior or that choice? Does it develop a hunger within you? If the answer to that is no, I think it could be qualified then as a filler. Love is always self-sacrificing and the sinful nature is always motivated by selfish gain. So who's the beneficiary of the things you're actually pursuing? Is it God? Is it others? Or is it you? The things that will develop hunger for God in you will be motivated by your love for God. There'll be things that you do as a result of God's love for you. And these things will result in God being glorified rather than your personal gain, which I know opposes so much of that consumer Christianity that we're constantly going after in the in our nation today. But I want you to know, as you become more surrendered in God, it is going to propel in you a deeper hunger than you've ever experienced. Friends, we talked about this for two episodes because we are so passionate about people activating spiritual hunger. Our hope and prayers always is these takeaways, the interview with Dustin, the content of this episode. We want it to not only uh, fuel your hunger, but we want it to provoke you to go after the more. If you have testimonies, if you have breakthroughs, will you just reach out to us? 
us. We want to hear how this podcast is impacting you. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey fam, you don't want to miss our next episode is we're going to hit on the topic of my forthcoming book. Yay! And perhaps the greatest tool needed for the billion sold harvest. It is going to be on prophetic evangelism. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it